you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. And so, uh, the, the title is All Relative? Question mark. Is it all relative in the day that we're living in? You, you guys, some of you remember uh, back in high school. How many of you remember back in high school? Um, did anybody in here go to high school? Um, <laughs> it was a while back. For me, it was in like the mid-70s. And so... Um, there was, I went to social studies class in high school one day, and they had this game called Lifeboat. And we had never heard of that. And it, the game, maybe you've heard of it, is uh, there's a certain number of people in this boat, and you have to eliminate people out of the boat based on what you think their value is or their worth is. And you go down the list, and there's a doctor on the boat. There's... Uh, somebody that is a nurse on the boat. There may be even a pastor on the boat. There's a school teacher on the boat. There's a baby on the boat. There's a, you know, and you get, you get the whole picture. There's somebody that committed murder on the boat. And you're supposed to eliminate a certain number of people off the boat. In other words, they don't get to live. And so the whole thing is you choosing who stays on, and who gets off. And it's, it was an attempt, I believe, uh, in some way to get us to quit putting stereotypes on people and just kind of look. And, but really, it fails. It fails because um, it puts us up in a place where God is. Think about this, this uh, phenomenon called Survivor. Survivor. I did some research on Survivor. Uh, 39 seasons. 572 episodes. Um, the only thing I didn't find out was when the exact day that it started, the exact year it started, maybe 2000, I think, or something like that. Anyway, this, this, this program called Survivor, um, where people get voted off the island. And they're in tribes, and it's, you know, they're... They get to this place and based on what they do or don't do or what the other people think on the island, they get booted off the island. You know, get off my island. And the one that's going to win is the one that's in that place, in that place. You know, it's exciting because you don't know what's going to happen next. But it, it, it says to that person, you, you be the judge. And people... Are, uh, you know, there's a social craze about that because everybody talks about the survivor. And did you see who got booted off the island? And um, where we become the social judge, and the most votes gets the person off. This reality TV, and you know, who can dance the best, who can sing the best, and we want everybody's input. And if you text this number to this number, then you're going to vote for this person, and he's going, she's going to be the winner, the best. It's it's all this attempt for us to put ourselves in that place of judge. We are the judge, and somehow there's this idea of social justice, and it 
feels good and sounds good, but it's all relative, right? Who are you asking? Is this deep already? Are we already deep into the message? We need to come to grips. You know, the series is called Twisted Truth. We're living in a world where truth has been twisted. And people are telling us this is the truth, but it's really poisoning us. It has poisoned us. And we don't even realize it, where we've been poisoned. It's, again, I say it's dangerous because it, it, we're putting ourselves in the place of God. And we're saying what we say matters more than what God has said. And that's dangerous. That brings down a society. That has brought down the morality of the society, all the societies on earth today. Because we want to place ourselves in the place where only God exists, right? And we want to throw out the truth and somehow twist it and make it sound good to fit our agenda, right? So why is this important to me, if you're listening? Why is this important to you? It's important because we need to recognize the reasoning behind all of this. And if... I believe as your pastor, I should be teaching on things like this. You know, it's great to be spiritual, but God gave us a mind. And there's, in the past, there's been almost, uh, almost two extremes. We get saved, and we know that we're born again, and we're one spirit with God. And so we just walk in the spirit, and we, don't, we discount everything in our mind we just walk in the spirit. We're just this super spirit floating off of the ground three feet. And, you know, if God's okay, I'm okay and everything's okay. But God gave us a mind. And we forget that God wants us to be spiritually minded, not to be carnally minded. But we're supposed to use our mind. We're not supposed to throw it out and throw it away and turn it off. Right? We're supposed to be led by the spirit not led by our mind, but we're not supposed to throw our mind away. And when somebody uh, encounters us or we connect with somebody and have a discussion, we're not supposed to say, well, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. We're supposed (laughs) guys, we're supposed to know what we believe and be able to explain like we've seen scriptures. I'm not going to go over the scriptures that we have gone over for the past five weeks, but we're supposed to know what we believe and how to explain that, basically, you don't have to be a theologian and write a book or a thesis on a certain point that you believe, but really we're supposed to be able to articulate, speak plainly and clearly and intelligibly about what we believe about the Bible, who God is, how creation started, what you believe about Jesus. Was his blood enough for... To, to, to wash us from, what is, wash our sins away. What does that mean, you know, to people who don't know? And there's a large part of people that are living on the earth today that don't know anything about Jesus. We have a whole generation that has never grown up in the church. And they are attached to social media all the time. And they're being fed their beliefs their philosophy of living is, is based on what they have been fed from social media. 
And so we're in a real particular place these days. So that's why it should be important in, uh, to you. And with, uh, here's another reason why it should be important to us as, as people living on the earth right now. Because without absolute truth, there's chaos. Without absolute truth, there's chaos. If you say everything's relative, everything's relative, everything's relative, everything's relative, and I, I just, in that moment, I just felt like killing this person because I just wanted to, because whatever, I don't have to have a reason. It's just, it's all relative. Some voice told me to. Well, no, there needs to be some absolute truth or there will be chaos. Do you see that? Okay. So people that are believing these things are not going to come up to you and say, you know, I was thinking the other day that I'm a moral relativist or I'm a post-modernist. A lot of the, 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 these philosophies and these thinking that we're going to talk about today and that we have talked about in the, in the previous messages here, um, people don't understand that that's where they are. Because that, that's one thing that lies do, that they deceive you into thinking that you have the truth. And so when you're in the darkness, and there's scripture for this, great is that darkness. <laughs> Your whole being is filled with the darkness. But you mistake it for the light. So most people don't know what, what they are or what they believe. This is why they're easily swayed either way. And they're open for everybody's belief. Look at this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2.14. This is very important that we, we know these things, that we know these scriptures, that we, it, there's value in memorizing scripture, knowing where it's at to go back to it and refer to it and actually taking a Bible and opening it, opening it up to that scripture and showing people. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the New King James Version says this, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And so in this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, there, there's a distinction, there's a contrast, a com- comparison between the natural, manned, uh, the natural man and the spiritual man. Spiritually minded and naturally minded. And the things, and I, I know like, if you're like me, there's times where my mind just, tr- it tries to wrap around the things of God and it just kind of goes tilt. Because his goodness is so good that my mind just can't grab hold of it. Why he loves me is so great, sometimes my mind is like, does that really, could that really be? You know? You know? (laughs) Do you think about things like that? So for our mind to comprehend how good God is, When we believe in him, he gives us the mind of Christ. Then we're able to comprehend how good he is and why he is, who he is, what he does. And so we're able to discern. 
See, that 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is not there to dissuade us from pursuing God. It's there to explain to us and give us an understanding why sometimes our natural mind can't comprehend the deep things of God. But we should, we should move in that direction. Search for wisdom with all of our heart to know God and to be known by God and to make God known, right? Yes. Yes. So let's talk about philosophy for a little bit. This is what we actually think. Philosophy is actually what we think tied to what we believe. Let me just give this nugget out to you. If, if you're, confront, if you're uh, confronting someone, if you're discussing something, and they keep saying, maybe it's somebody in your family that you really care for, what they say is really what they believe. And you're not going to change what they say until you change what they believe. And really, God is the only one powerful enough to change what people believe with a revelation of the truth. And we need more truth. I don't know about you. I haven't haven't studied the Word of God as much as I should and could. Right? And so I'm I'm on a quest now for 44 years because I I became born again like Jesus told uh, Zacchaeus. You have to be born again. I, 11 years old, I was born again. 44 years, I've been digging in this word of truth. And there's more that I see that I don't know than what I see that I do know. So I'm on a trek. And, and the, the, the more that I go for the truth, the more it changes my philosophy. Because we all have philosophy, whether we realize it or not. Even saying this, I don't have a philosophy, is a philosophy. (laughs) In other words, we live our life with certain assumptions. We have certain assumptions. There is a prejudice. We we prejudge things and people. Whether we realize it or not, we have certain assumptions. Some of those certain assumptions were given to us in our environment as we were growing up. And then those assumptions uh, uh, construct our basic beliefs about how the world operates. Is there a God? Is, is good and evil real? What is truth? Is there an afterlife? These are all the ultimate questions of life. And we should make sure that our answers are rooted in the truth and not cultural trends. Look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. Colossians 2, 8. Why should we not believe and base our beliefs in cultural trends? Because they change. Up one day, down the next day. One way this year, the next year is this way. Colossians 2.8 says this, see to it, this is New International Version, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Again, there's this contrast, right, between the world's forces 
and Christ. And so listen, the truth is we don't change truth. Truth changes us. (laughs) And some, even in the body of Christ, have sacrificed truth for the sake of relating to culture. They've sacrificed truth at the sake of relating to culture. But on the other side of that, we can encourage truth, but fail to relate to our culture. And then we fail. Because we can't bridge the gap between truth and culture. Jesus bridged the gap between truth and culture. Remember, when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't come and say, you guys are, you're all messed up. He was born of a virgin. He grew in a normal household. He wasn't born 30 years old, although God could have had him born a 30-year-old man. He was born a baby. He grew up in the culture He was embracing people, but understanding culture. So at that time, at 12 years old, they found him in the temple reasoning and asking questions of the spiritual leaders of the day. So he had grown to that point where he could articulate what he believed and what he's, how he saw himself in the old Testament. He understood the old Testament better than the ones that had been studying it for 30, 40, 50 years, maybe. So Jesus didn't come to destroy culture. He came to bring truth into the culture. He wasn't afraid of the culture like some Christians today are. Everything's going to get me, get me, get me. No. We have to understand that people are indoctrinated by culture and they have this philosophy that's rooted in culture. But it's our assignment to get truth to them. Again, is reason that we need to know what we believe and be able to speak what we believe in love, in love. We can be sure that when we contend for the truth in this postmodern culture, that there's going to be some resistance. Amen. There's resistance. So when we say postmodern, there's... Uh, and. This is a study that's too deep to go into right now, so I'm just going to briefly summarize it. There's pre-modern, modern, and post-modern. Pre-modern, we can say, is kind of medieval. You can, you can Google this and study it on your own, but I just want to kind of tell you where we're coming from. So before Jesus was born until the late 1700s, medieval uh, people believed in a spiritual or supernatural world that coexisted with the physical world, affecting all aspects of it. People who lived during that time also generally generally believed that the natural world was orderly and that it could be studied and that truth was touchable based on supernatural rather than natural realities. That's pre-modern. Then modern, around the mid-1700s, the period of enlightenment came. And common ideas about truth and and the supernatural changed. At first, these new ideas weren't bad. People just uh, started focusing on the uniqueness of humans and the human mind. And they were right because we're unique to God 
And God has made us special. Unfortunately, the good idea uh, took a wrong turn. Instead of praising God for creating our minds, people started treating our human mind as if it were a God. That's modernism. Scientists made astounding discoveries. Now, let me just interject this. Anytime science makes a discovery, it's because God has allowed man <laughs> to see a part of him. And not only see it, but to understand it and to document it. It's God revealing himself. <laughs> so the, the scope of knowledge seemed limitless. Charles Darwin had given people an excuse for forgetting God with his ideas about evolution and natural selection. People began to think that maybe the world just happened by chance. <laughs> And now, postmodernism. Uh, this is a definition from Britannia, uh, the Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia of Britannia. Western philosophy. It's a Western philosophy, a late 20th century movement characterized by broad skepticism, subjectivism, or relativism, and a general suspicion of reason, and an uh, acute sensitivity to the role of ideology in asserting and maintaining political and economic power. So this postmodern thinking has come into the church. And so I'll read you a synopsis of postmodern Christianity. It falls in line with basic postmodern thinking. It's about experience over reason, subjectivity over objectivity, spirituality over religion, images over words, outward over inward. Where experience is valued more highly than reason, truth always becomes relative. Let me say that again. When experience is valued more highly than reason, truth becomes relative. And it takes us away from the logos of God's word. Now, I know that's deep, but listen, when somebody's telling you about their experience of God, it must fall in line with the word of God. If it doesn't, then it's taking us away from the truth of God. A lot of people in the body of Christ today are exalting experience over the written word of God. And I'm here to tell you that it's wrong, guys. We have to get back to the Bible. We have to get back to the written word of God. That this written word of God is always revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. There's a big push to be spiritual today, but not religious. We must weigh every new teaching and every new thought against Scripture. We don't let experiences interpret Scripture for us. But as we change and we conform ourselves to Jesus, we interpret our experiences according to Scripture. So again, truth changes not. Truth doesn't change, but time does. Time changes, but truth does not. Absolute truth is something that is true at all times, in all places, and for all people. So let me take you through some scriptures. They're in your notes, but I'm just going to read them and let the scriptures speak for themselves. I want us to, to, to have a, a fire hose experience with, with the truth. This needs to be 
full force, full on, right here. Take it in. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 8, 32. When you, you will, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Numbers 23, 19. God is not human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and do not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? This is truth. John 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. The words of Jesus, who said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Proverbs, uh, Romans 3, verse 4. Not to all. Let God be true. Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar. As it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. So in other words, God is the judge. And he alone is true compared to all men. Right? Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. If this truth is used to correct me, then this is stationary. This is absolute and I must change to conform to this truth. That's the only way I can be corrected is through this truth. Right? It's good for correction in other words, it must, be, it must remain stable. It must remain firm. It doesn't change. And I conform to it, not try to make it conform to me. John chapter 8, verses 12 through 14. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and I know where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. <laughs> Again, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The natural mind doesn't receive the things of God. That's why we need the person of the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us. Without the Holy Spirit, this is a com can confuse your mind. Guys, I don't know about you, but, and I think I may have said this last week, or maybe it was a class we had last week, I believe. But when I was uh, filled with the, with the Spirit of God, back at, when I was 21 years old, I mean, one day I was reading the Bible bef before I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and it was really confusing me. 
And I was trying to understand it with my mind. After I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I picked up the Bible, and it seemed like, it seemed like to me that there was a huge change, and the words were like jumping off the page. It's because the, the author of the Word began to give me understanding of what it was saying. It was like from light to dark, or dark to light, right? It was the difference between night and day. And I was just a young man. On, on a search for the truth. Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. In other words, sometimes our heart becomes divided, but his truth unites it. And the outcome of that is I, I, I fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to be wise. The Bible also says, a fool says in his heart that there is no God. Right? 1 John 5, 20. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Are you feeling the full weight with these scriptures? Are you feeling the full weight of truth? And how far some people have gotten off from the truth. 1 John 1.6 says this. If we say we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. This brings up the issue of sin, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. But... In order to walk with God, we have to walk in the light. And that light always exposes darkness in us, each one of us personally, so that we get rid of those dark places and continue to walk more and more in the light of the truth. John chapter 4 and verse 24, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Again, we don't magnify experiences over the truth. We don't throw away the word of God and just want to experience God. So it's not one over the other. We should have the word of God that leads us into a deeper experience with God. Remember, when God called Moses, he said, come up here. Let me reveal myself to you. And then I'm going to speak words of truth to you. So it was, an exp- it was an experience. We don't seek an experience, but we seek God, who's greater than all of our experiences. So this idea of postmodernism, it's a belief system that tends to deny absolute truth by redefining truth based on personal experiences. It's deconstructionism. A lot of young people go into college classes, into a psychology class or a religion class, and the teacher, the professor, leads them in an exercise to deconstruct what they believe. And they end up more confused because <laughs> uh, there's, there, there are these forces that are uh, out 
seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, to twist the truth and confuse our young people. If, if the enemy can get them in, in school, elementary school, high school, you know, those are the formative years, guys. That's not to say that an older adult can't be deceived. But this postmodernism believes that the only absolute there is, is no absolutes. And that it's arrogant to claim that you know the truth. You may see the bumper stickers that say coexist. The little blue bumper stickers that have all the little religious symbols on there. Let's coexist. And that's a good thought. It makes you feel a little bit fuzzy. But it really means this. Accept everybody's truth as a truth. You have truth. I have truth. We all have truth. And we're happy. We're happy. So this concept is so open that there's no foundation. The more open you get, the less of a foundation you have. And if you lose your foundation, you lose that, that central point. It's, it's, like trying to, uh, it's like trying to navigate from here, GPS, to Dallas, Texas. But the city of Dallas keeps moving on you. You know, you start driving towards it in another hour, the whole city of Dallas moves. And you have to re-navigate, recalculating, recalculating. Why? Because Dallas moved an hour north. And then you go a little bit further and it moves two hours south. You know, the stationary point that you're navigating to has got to be the word of God. (laughs) God doesn't change. (laughs) He's not moving on you. And then when you get there, he's going to move to another place. No, 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 no. So what does this postmodernism look like? Well, it's a deconstructing of the truth uh, that, that you claim. If you claim to know that Jesus is the truth, then the postmodernist says, uh, that's a truth claim. And you're using your truth claim to, to empower you. That may be your truth, but my truth is just as powerful. And if you don't believe it, let's get into an argument and let's see who gets so emotional. And whoever's the most emotional wins. Postmodernists use the, the term I feel rather than I think because they're very tied to their emotions. And again, I sp- explained last week that the, the brain works. There's an emotional side and there's a logic side. And whenever there is a, an idea that comes, it appeals to the emotional side. And if you're, uh, re- if you're reasoning with your emotional side, then your logical side is overridden. That's why so many people, when they get emotional, they say, well, I don't know. It just came over me and I did that. It's an explanation that your emotions are very powerful and that you can't trust your emotions. But you have to trust the truth of the word of God because it's stronger than our emotions because God created us. This Postmodernism says, uh, nobody knows for sure. That's a common phrase. Well, nobody knows for sure. Nobody knows for sure. Nobody knows for sure. Or another phrase is just figure it out for yourself. You can decide for yourself what you want your truth to, to be. And it may take you a while, but, you know, at least you're on the search for your truth. I've got my truth. So this has affected the church. 
it has affected us because we, we really want to be kind people in the church. And we agree with people and what they're believing very quickly because we don't want conflict. We want to be peace keepers. Just keep the peace. Keep the peace. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Just keep the peace, especially when it's in your own family. We don't know how to deal with this. We don't know how to deal with this conflict. And so we don't say anything. We don't say anything. Thinking all the time that we're loving when really love speaks the truth. There's times that God, who is love, speaks truth to me and corrects me. And you as parents need to speak truth to your children and correct them. Otherwise, they end up in jail because they think in their mind and they believe I can do whatever I want to do. So it's affected us as a church. We're in the danger of accepting everything and losing our solid foundation. That's why we're doing this series. Because we need to know. Be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. We need to know what's going on around us. We can't afford to live on this earth and stick our head in the sand and just pretend like things like this don't exist. So the lies that are associated with postmodernism are this. (laughs) Our personal perception determines our reality. And it's translated like this. If you approach a girl who feels like a boy and say she then you could be charged with a hate crime. That's what happens already happening in Canada and what is, what is in danger of happening here in the States. You've seen these laws and how they're passed so quickly. And it happens in one state and happens in another state. And before you know it, 14, 16, 18, 20 states have adopted this law. Hate crime law, where if you don't address that person as who they feel like they are, then you're marginalizing them and hurting them. Guys, this is really, 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 really real. Really real. And we as the body of Christ, don't, we don't want to hurt anybody. But we're at a place where everybody, it's almost a necessity for everybody to wear a button that says... He, him, she, her, they, them, are your name badge. I mean, this world is, is, is you know, we live in the, we, we consider a, a Bible belt, probably the buckle of the Bible belt, but the East Coast and West Coast are, there's, there's is, is, is really rocking our nation right now, this whole idea of what's right for me is right for me, and you can't do anything bad to me. And we're throwing away our laws, we're throwing away God's laws, and we're saying, I'm a law unto myself. Another lie that comes with this is all truth claims are power plays. So by me standing up on this platform and saying, we're not, we're not streaming right now, but I'm saying over, I'm saying to the whole world that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man can come to the Father except they come through Jesus. The postmodernists would say that I'm, I'm using threatening words and that it's a power play and that because I'm 
I'm, I'm using this power play and, and stating this truth claim that you can't trust anything that I say because I have my own agenda and I'm trying to push my own agenda. It's coming down to that, guys. There is an all-out assault to take the freedom of speech away from us, even to the point where pastors are illegal to stand up and preach what, what we choose to preach in our own churches. Another lie is all truth is subjective. All truth is subjective. See a little sign. All truth is subjective with an asterisk at the end of subjective in parentheses at the bottom, except for this. Right? If you're, if you're, if you're pushing that lie, all truth is subjective, then the truth that you just said was subjective, and then it's, it's a self-canceling statement. So the solution here is that Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection are absolute because they're based on historical facts. They're based on historical events. And truth is not a power play. Ultimately, truth is a person. Jesus was the one that said in John fourteen six that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he also said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And this is the good news that we have to share with the rest of the world. Postmodernism and relativism are fed by pride because they value human reasoning and intellect rather than God's word and his absolute truth. 2 Peter, 2 Peter 2, 2. 2 Peter 2, 2. 2 Peter 2, 2 says this. And many, this is in the uh, ESV version, English Standard Version. I like the way it says it. Many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Did you know that that scripture was in the Bible? Following your sensuality, following your desires and your soul is the way to blaspheme the truth. So let's talk real briefly about moral relativism. It's a logical outworking of postmodernism. And it says this if absolute truth can't be known, and all we can do is live for our truth, then we must figure out a way of how to get along when our truths inevitably conflict, because they will. So, moral relativism's solution is tolerance. Tolerance has essentially been regulated to a place of neutrality where a person is prohibited from having a strong conviction about anything. You can't say that here. Have you ever been out in public and and you're having a conversation with somebody that you love and and you're talking about the Lord, but all of a sudden you feel because there's other people around, you're like, we, we we shouldn't be talking about the Lord like this out in public. Have you ever felt like that? Why? Because society is regulating to us that we have to be tolerant of everybody and we can't say anything that might offend someone. We're not saying it in order to offend someone. We're just carrying on a casual conversation. But we're afraid to say certain things. Guys, are you out there? Will you admit this? 
We're afraid to say certain things because people might say, well, you can't say that here. That's, that's hate speech. And we're talking about the Lord. Everyone is equally right. So the common thought today is if you, sh- if you should deny anyone's right to be right, then you're intolerant. Everybody has a right to be right. That's the way our society feels. And that thought, that philosophy is being pushed on us to the point where we don't say anything to anybody. How about this phrase? You're wrong to tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) And like I said before, the strength of someone's emotions determines how right or wrong something is. Have you noticed that on social media? When people start typing in all caps. All caps mean I'm standing up out of my chair now and I am pounding on the keyboard. And the more I write in all caps, I am... Beating you down. Right? It's like we think that the stronger the emotion, the more true we are. Nobody's wrong, so why don't we all celebrate? Let's just sit in a circle and sing Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Someone's crying, Lord. Kumbaya. Moral relativism says if it feels good, do it. But the problem with if it feels good, do it, is that feelings and opinions change. But truth never does. <laughs> so many people are rejecting the Bible as absolute truth today because absolute truth by definition is exclusive. But people fail to realize that relativism is also exclusive. It excludes those who hold to absolutes. Right? So what do we do? Here we are. What do we do? And by the way, we didn't bring ourselves to this situation. We're just dealing with this in society. Just trying to live out the words of Jesus in a place that is going further and further and further away from the truth. And our commission by the head of the church is to reach every person and tell them that God loves them regardless of who they want to be called or what their body parts are or whether they're confused sexually or with their gender. God wants us to love all people everywhere all the time. And the only way we can love them is speak truth to them because that's the only thing strong enough to break me free from deceptive, the, the deceptive lies of the enemy. So when we, we hear something that may sound good, we need to ask this question. It's a two-part question. Is what I'm hearing, how, how, what does it have to do with biblical authority and absolute truth? Now, when I hear something coming from somebody, I'm not going to say, you liar. (laughs) No. No. The way you build a bridge to someone's heart is with your ear. You can affirm the person without agreeing with how they act. 
and the, the conduct that they have in their life or their philosophy. Did you know you can love people that have the, a different philosophy than you? There is a balance between compassion, tolerance, and the truth of God's word. I think Jesus was very compassionate, especially when he knelt down to the, the woman that was called in adultery. He was the only one in that place that could have stoned her to death, and he chose not to do it. But he did say something at the end of their meeting, go and sin no more. So sin is real, and sin has consequences. And the Bible says sin, uh, the fruit of sin is death. And it will separate us and separate our fellowship from the Lord. And if, if we're not born again, sin, sin keeps our relationship separated from God. So sin is very real. But the enemy is trying his best to paint this sin into another color and call it another name and pretend like it didn't exist. And then if we can get them to believe that sin doesn't exist, we can surely get them to believe that hell doesn't exist. And all the time, God loves them. God loves us. And he loves them as much as he loves us. Because we're all one race, the human race. So, truth is powerful because it brings life. And it has, the truth has been here since the beginning. And it still exists today. And truth is available to all who seek in the person of Jesus Christ. Even though our society tells us that it's narrow-minded for us to believe in ultimate absolute truth, there's a lot of evidence that says that we should run after it with all of our hearts. Jesus himself said the truth sets us free. And that promise of being set free by the truth is for all people in all places, for all time. We walk free from the lies of the enemy through the truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for setting us free through the truth, Lord. Thank you that today that we, we weren't just hearing a good message. We were having an encounter with the truth. By the spirit of truth, from the word of truth. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.